This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found modern mammals and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. Hello and welcome to another episode of Lead Singer Syndrome Warp Tour Edition. Yes, that's right. I am here in Cleveland, Ohio. Well, sort of. Uh, I can't pronounce that. Something falls, starts with a C. But Joe from Knucklepuck, he knows how to say it. He is on the show today. And this is cool because this is as close to a live podcast, I think, as could ever be possible. Because I just spoke to Joe for the past hour or so. And here we are now. I'm doing this intro. And I'm going to put this up right now, tonight. So this is as fresh an interview as could ever possibly happen. Unless we were like putting this on Facebook Live or something like that, but uh, as far as RSS feeds goes and podcasts, this is what we got right here, and it is a great episode, very honest. Joe Taylor is incredibly forthright in this one. It was great having him, and Knuckle Puck is currently killing it every day on the Vans Warp Tour, so make sure you get tickets and go see Warp Tour, the very last one. I will be there for the next, well, I'll be there in Cincinnati, Detroit, Buffalo, Scranton, Boston, and New York with my band Silverstein, so go check it out. I just got here yesterday. We did Toronto and we did Cleveland, and it's been two amazing shows, and I cannot wait for the rest. Before we get into the chat with Joe, I really just want to say thank you so much to everybody who's tuned into this. Just in the last two days of Warp Tour, I have had dozens, if not like 100 people, come up to me and say, hey man, I really love the podcast, I really love the show, and I love chatting with everybody about that. So please, you know, feel free to come up to me, tell me about your favorite episodes, whatever it is, I love to hear it. And I'm trying to do an episode every single day that I'm out here for eight days, so I should have some awesome, awesome stuff from so many great bands here on the Vans Warp Tour. If you want to get in touch, it's super easy. You can email me, leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. I read all my email. And of course, I am on social media. You can follow me at Shane Told, at leadsingersyndrome on Instagram, at leadsingersyn, S-Y-N, on Twitter. We do have a Lead Singer Syndrome Facebook page, which is actually really, really awesome. There's a lot of great content on there, so search for that. Make sure you like us on Facebook. And we also have the hate line. If you're not so happy... If you think I'm doing a terrible job, feel free to give me a call. Leave me a message of hate. It is 657-666-HATE, and I will be rolling out clips from time to time. So give me that hate. Give me that hate. Don't hold back. I want to tell you about the Weed Singer Syndrome All Access Club. Basically, if one episode per week is not enough, if you want bonus content, more episodes, merch sent directly to your house, interaction with me, interaction with other fans of the show, contests, and even live question and answer sessions with me where I play some tunes, please check out the All Access Club. 
for as little as $6 a month, it gets you in. That is just pennies a day. What is that, like 20 cents a day? That is like very, very little to get all this awesome stuff. And of course, it goes a long way in helping me continue to do this show, have great guests like Joe and everybody else. I'm working on some incredible stuff coming up and all the support I can get really does help me out and go a long way. So all I ask is you check it out, leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. Again, it's just six bucks. Not much. That's less than a coffee. That's less than one very nice coffee. Somebody told me the average person spends like 91 bucks a month on coffee. So, hey, all I'm asking is for six bucks. We also have some other really, really cool tiers and stuff you can get. So check it out. Again, the link, leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. All right, let's get into it with Joe Taylor of Knuckle Puck. Everybody she said, white knives in the back of my head. Over and over she said, I just got cut for the weather. So take your wedding bands and your drunken friends. I just can't keep you together. I'm no good, you're no better. Yeah, you have the podcast voice going. <laughs> do I really? Though? I do. I do not. Do I? See, people tell me that, and I got a like. I have this thing on the podcast called the Hate Line, which I have people call the number and they can leave a message. And somebody was talking to me about how I like I've developed some kind of radio voice. Like I don't know. I just right talk. There. there it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, whenever the other thing too is when you when you have a microphone. And like you talk right into it like I am. Yeah. You get that what's called proximity effect and it makes your voice sound like bigger and lower. And All right, maybe I'll try that now. <laughs> there here you I go. am right yeah, here. There you go. Right yeah, now you're louder anyways. Joe from Knuckle Puck, nice to have you. Thanks for having me, Shane. Here we are in Cleveland, Ohio. Sort of Cleveland, Ohio. Outside. Cuyahoga. How do you say that? Cuyahoga Falls. See, that's the thing. Sometimes I'm like, I'll get on stage and I'll look at the name of a place and I won't know how to say it. And instead of like asking a local, hey, how do you say that so I can say it on stage? I'm just like, I'm just going to stick with Ohio. What's up, Ohio? That's fair. (laughs) Today I didn't know what to say if I should say Cleveland or not. Right. So I just didn't. And I just said Cuyahoga Falls. And that was kind of awkward. Well, yeah, it's it's, because I like doubt anyone really lives here. Like probably everyone's from Cleveland, but then at the same time... People get really bent out of shape when it's like, not technically Cleveland. Yeah. So I don't know. I, That's how Chicago's going to be, Tinley Park. Right. I mean, we'll probably say Tinley Park. Well, but. yeah. Well, well, you guys being Chicago kids and stuff, you know, that totally, it's got to be a thing. Does that rub you the wrong way as a person from Chicago if they say Chicago? I don't, I don't really care. But you're not care. from Chicago. Well, okay. So, yeah. I'm like, dude, it's funny. If you look at a map where I grew up is like literally cut out of the border of Chicago. Right. It's like, if you look at it, it's like a square that's cut out. Right. Um, but yeah. Well, when you guys were getting started, because you guys are, you guys kind of kind of claim, like you don't claim Chicago, you claim like the suburbs of Chicago. South suburbs, yeah. South suburbs, okay. And um, we claim Burlington, Ontario. We don't claim Toronto. It's like, excuse me, like where I grew up is like 25 minutes away. Okay. But then I'll hear other bands will claim like, they'll be way further away and they'll claim their main city. And I don't know if that's like... Because we're talking about major cities and we don't want like people to get pissed at us. Like, yeah. you're not fucking from Chicago, little shits, you know. <laughs> but but that's the funny thing too that that happens, you know. Oh, where, for sure. Where, what are you going to claim? You know, we well, started putting Toronto on shirts now because like four to five of us live in Toronto anyway. So yeah. it's like we're basically from there, you know. Yeah, and if you identify with that, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. <laughs> um, it's funny. One of our friends actually lives. He like grew up like three blocks away from Wrigley Field. Uh-huh. And, you know, he, he's come to so many shows and we'll be like, yeah, we're from Chicago or South Side Chicago. And he's like, you're not from Chicago. It's like, dude, shut up. Yes, we are. You know? <laughs> dude, it's funny because, like, Nick grew up, like, he he moved south of me, but he's in the city. Yeah. And, like, I wasn't. And I Weird. don't know. Yeah, it's very strange. I don't know. Yeah, I but don't know. But you know what? I don't know. Anyways, here we are. We're at Warp Tour. Uh, I just jumped on yesterday. You've been on the whole thing. How's it going so far? It's good. It's my favorite year that we've done. Nice. We've done 15, 16, and 18. Cool. And this is my favorite by far. Cool. And I guess, obviously, the biggest change is that you're on the journeys, you know, quote-unquote main stage, as they sort of call it, sort of not really call it. That's what they say. Uh, Obviously, that's a big change now as being, you know, 
you know, I guess like a real band on the tour, if that makes any sense. You're not just on the side stage um, playing with a small PA and hoping you're not up against some big band on the main stage. You are the big band on the main stage. How's that uh, that change? Uh, it's cool. It's definitely cool, man. It's weird, though, because like, at the same time, you know, we, we're playing with bands that have like actual production on Warped, and we don't really have anything. We have a backdrop. But other than that, we have like our amps and shit, and I don't know. It's... It's cool. Like we don't feel like we're doing much different. Right. You know what I mean? Like the the crowds are still incredible. Right. But we don't feel like we're doing that much different. I what don't know. What kind of production are other bands doing? Because I I, I kind of thought the general rule on Warp Tour was you couldn't really do production. Like they used to not even let you do backdrops. Now every band has a backdrop. Yeah. You know. Uh. But yeah. What What are you seeing? Uh. I've seen some like dummy cabs like stacked oh, yeah. up from yeah. a couple bands and. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't have an opinion on that. Like, that's cool. But we don't do that stuff, so it doesn't... If we were doing that and we were on the main stage, we would kind of be like, oh, we feel like we're, you know, we're here on the main stage, you know, one of these bands. It is cool to, like, play in between bands that, you know, I don't know, that we look up to, or not only look up to, but we're like, oh, this is a main stage band. Right, sure. And we're sandwiched in between two of them. So that's a cool feeling, you know? No, definitely, definitely. I mean, it's... It's a very big change and very, very cool. Um, so today you guys played early, yeah. as did we. We were on at 12.15, and you were on at 12. How was that going, um, you know, just the warp Tour thing where you wake up in the morning, and a lot of people don't believe me. Like, people will be like, so what time are you playing on a Sunday? I'm like, I don't know. Like, what do you mean you don't know? Well, I don't know until, like, about 9.30 in the morning. That's when they tell us. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm serious. That's the way it works. So how's that been for you? I mean, singing and stuff and, and just having to like be like, okay, you wake up at 9.30 and they're like, all right, you're on, you're on in like an hour, two and a half hours or, or whatever or even less. Um, I honestly don't mind it. Every night before I go to sleep, I go in my head, I'm like, tomorrow, be on first. We, tomorrow we play first. Yep. And yep. nine out of ten times, we're not on first and I'm so excited. <laughs> and the one out of ten times that we are on first, I'm prepared. There you go. That's right. Yeah, that's absolutely so how, that's it how is. I handle it. But I always like, you know, I'm a bit of a guy that I like to hang out. And I like to hang out late, you know, okay. like bus calls 3.30. I wouldn't be surprised if I am the one tearing down the tent at 3.25 tonight. You know, that's kind of how I roll. And this is the thing about, about Lyman. So if, if he's walking around and he sees people partying late, he will put them on first the next day. Is that true? Is oh, that it's real? true. In fact, it was always rumored and there was an interview he did recently. I think there was it was like a um, oral history of Warp Tour kind of thing. I forget, okay, I forget what publication put it out, but it, it was excellent, very insightful. And he admitted to it. Really, he admitted to if he sees someone like fucked up late at night, he's like he's like they're going on first. So for me, yeah, nine out of ten <laughs> Dude, times I'm like okay, I'm, but then there's that one time I'm not prepared, and then I get dinged every time, man. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> But we're on a big stretch right now, um, not for me, because we're jumping on and then we're, we're off again, but how does your voice hold up usually, especially with this many shows in a row? Since we're playing a half-hour set, it's okay, Yeah, generally. Yeah. Uh, two days ago, I felt my voice start to kind of slip. But... You sound a little raspy right now. Yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah. But so do I, mean, I, I think. I'll probably maintain this like rasp for the rest yeah. of the tour, but you know, it's, yeah. it's been fine. Do you find that voice-wise, it's like you have... Like, good tours and not-so-good tours, or... Yes. Yeah. For sure. Because yeah. I feel like I... Every tour, I try to... You know, obviously, you, you try to do it better, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and... Sure. I don't know. I I feel like I've gotten into trying things for almost, like, an entire tour, and then being like, hey, that didn't work the whole tour. And <laughs> But I gave it an honest shot, you know what I mean? That's I don't know. That's a motorcycle. Don't mind that. Is that Travis Barker? Dude, Travis Barker. <laughs> <laughs> looks just like him. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's like like the weather, you know what I mean? It's just kind of like right. what what I'm like trying, I yeah. guess. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, your voice is, like, it sounds like, and to be honest, I've actually never seen your band live before. Okay. So it's always hard to c- compare a band like we're talking about the live show but I've only listened to your records but it seems like on the records every note it's like as powerful and full on oh dude I wish you could have been there today man 
I wish you could have come and see I know. Today. Well, that was the plan. I was like, okay, because I couldn't see you guys yesterday. And then I was like, okay, perfect. I'll, I'll watch the band, and then we'll do the podcast right after. So it's all like, I can talk about the show, be fresh in my mind. And then it's like, ah, oh, we're playing at the same time. That's not going to work. True. But is that is that accurate that you really like just give it the whole time? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, yeah it takes its toll. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm tired. <laughs> There's the honesty. <laughs> There's the honesty. So uh, I want to go back to the beginning um, kind of of your early life, if you don't mind talking about it. I mean, sure. we already touched on the fact that you're from not Chicago, the south suburbs of Chicago. Evergreen Park. Evergreen Park, Evergreen Illinois? Park. 95th Street. Okay. Oh, don't get too specific. <laughs> they'll, they'll try to find your house and take selfies <laughs> with it or something. Who knows? There's there's a lot of weirdos out there. But uh, So what was it like growing up? Did you have, um, what was your family structure like? Did you have brothers and sisters? Uh, so yeah, my sister, I have one sister and she was born when I was like five. Um, okay. My mom's a single mom. Didn't really know my dad too much. Um, yeah, I'm. We lived in like a three bedroom house. We moved around a lot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, music so was you like changed a lot of schools and stuff. Um, no, she kept me in uh, my like yeah my school that I went to. Yeah. Um, she kept me there. I you know used my like aunt's address or whatever we had to do. But, right. Um, yeah, I would say music was like the only constant thing that I had you know what I mean yeah uh I spent a lot of time alone my mom was like a latchkey kid like my mom would go to you know work till 9 p.m or whatever sure get back late so sure so how um how, how did you get into music then I mean when when in your life was it evident that music was you know important to you there was I got really into ACDC <laughs> nice. um but bef- well I, I think before I got really into ACDC I think I was I was playing uh Tony Hawk Okay, and yeah. Tony Hawk Pro Skater One, yeah, and uh, Suicide Machines' New Girl. Nice. I heard that song, and I was like, "Yo, what is this?" Because I had never really heard punk music. Yeah, I don't think. You know, that's the first time I remember that. And uh, I went, I went to Coconut Records down the the street and got the uh, the least worst of the Suicide Machines, and that was like the first punk or like ska I'd ever heard. Is that like a greatest hits suicide? Yeah, yeah. Record? I never heard the that least one. worst. Yeah, I mean, I know suicide. there are other like there are two kind of main records, but um, cool, cool. And that's like, I mean, that's a midwestern band, you know, from Michigan, which I didn't uh, know. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, and, until you know, I was older. But. I guess you don't really. I don't know how much you care, right? When you're a kid, where necessarily where a band's from, when it's like the first thing into it, you know, um, it's kind of kind of a funny thing how a lot of people into punk rock. Either they were given punk rock by a punk rocker, mm-hmm. or when they discovered it themselves, they almost always discovered it from like a mainstream place. Yeah, like a vid- a very very popular video game, right? And for me, the first kind of punk band that I remember hearing was No Effects, and it was their video on Much Music, which is like Canadian MTV. Yeah, which is funny because that like they never played. You know, no effects on real MTV because they they were like, "Fuck you, we're too punk for this." Yeah. So it's funny how that stuff can kind of emerge out of you know just the mainstream, but it's not mainstream music. So it's really, really, uh, really interesting. So we got ACDC and we got Suicide Machines. Don't really think that's quite what Knuckle Puck sounds like. Yeah. So there's got to be another story. Yeah. Here. So uh, when I was in, I think I was in like fifth grade. It was like a year, dude. I don't even know what fucking year it was, but. I saw the music video for Down, Blink. Yeah. 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 I saw that on MTV, and my cousin worked at Circuit City, rest in peace, <laughs> and I was like, hey, Blink-182, that that one song was cool, can you like get me a CD? And she got me Enema of the State and Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. Okay. Not the right record. <laughs> no. The, the, no not, yeah, not right, the right record. Not the one with Don, Down on it. Yeah, yeah, but I listened to the whole thing of like both CDs, yeah. front to back, looking for that song, <laughs> but I found so much more than that. Right. That's interesting, because yeah, that that's like, I actually really like the Blink self-titled record. Oh, it's it might the best be my, one. It might be my favorite one, yeah, even though I'm like I'm old and I remember, I remember when Dude Ranch came out. So, you know, so I, I'm, you know, always like Blink through the kind of crappy punk rock you know you want to know the cheat code cheat code your favorite bands they have the best record and your favorite they're oh okay that's right is that right so what what i think the self-titled untitled blink album is their best but not your favorite but not my favorite okay i think it's i think it might be actually both for me 
But but it's art. I haven't thought about it a lot from that. You know what? I think here's what I think. Tell I think me. that that's my favorite. But I think their best record is Enema of the State. I think Fair. probably because I think Enema of the State has has the best songs on it, pretty much from start to finish. Like what I always loved about about Blink and and especially that record in particular, like. And it's something that, as Silverstein, we've always tried to um, do with, you know, when we um, sequence our albums. It's like, you gotta leave something awesome in, like, the 10 or 11 track spot. Yeah. Like, you know, it's I hate records. It's like, all the bangers at the beginning, and then it's like, the songs just start to get shitty, and then the last track's maybe, like, a ballad. Like It's like, it's like you gotta <laughs> have a banger. And, like, that, that record, Enema of the State, my favorite song on it, is Wendy Clear, for sure. Interesting. Which is the second last track, I think. So, yeah. you know, I, that's so I, I love that about about records. That record and um, the self titled record is my favorite. But I don't know. It's got a like it goes off in some very meandering directions. Yeah, and it kind of loses some focus along the way. So, so there we go. I don't agree, but that's fair. Okay, okay. <laughs> no, that's no, okay. I would, I would flip it though. I would say yep. that uh, that the self titled is their best, and Enema is my favorite. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. So well, that, I think we're sitting way. on the same seat. We are. Do you want me to move you to the other side of the bench? <laughs> no, 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 no. That's what I'm saying. No, that's I good. mean I welcome the uh, disagreement. If we didn't have anything to, to, if we just agreed on everything, what, why would we even speak? Yeah, true. Right. <laughs> there you go. So okay, so Blink One Eighty Two comes into play, and that's obviously a, an influence that makes sense. Um, so it's kind of interesting with your band because you, and this is from a little bit of an outside perspective. Okay, but I, you guys kind of came out of nowhere. And I guess you had a lot of EPs and stuff mm-hmm. and some self-released stuff that was actually pretty successful. And then all of a sudden, your first record comes out, Copacetic on Rise Records. You didn't have a full-length record before, and it's like, boom, this is a real band. This is like, it's charting on the Billboard at number 61. You're selling like, I think it was almost 10,000 copies the first week, which in this day and age is really, really good. Kids listening, if you don't know. And that was like just your first album. So you'd done all this groundwork as kind of an underground band. So I'm really interested in, in how that all came to be. And maybe it'll, it's a long story, but how did the band kind of form? And then how did you get on this path to where it's like you were uber focused on this seriousness and this professionalism kind of early on in your career? So I was in a band in high school and no one took it seriously. And okay. I was kind of like the... Me and another person in the band were like the driving factor. And that fell apart because they didn't care. And so my senior year of high school in October, so the beginning of the year, I started hitting up our drummer, John, because I knew him via mutual friends. And I was just like, hang out with me. Like, you play (laughs) drums. I need to start a band. Let's go. Um, And I didn't really think too much beyond that. But we spent the rest of both of our senior year building Knuckle Puck. And trying to find people um, to be in the band, and not just like people that were like good at their instrument, but also people that we liked and generally vibed with. Well, of course, because obviously having talent and being good at your instrument is one thing, but if you have a bunch of people that are very talented but have no direction or focus, that's I mean, it's, it's at least half the or importance. a little too much. Where it's like, hey, man, <laughs> this is there's a bunch of people here. Right, we all have a voice. Uh, yeah, okay, sure. Which there was some of that, um, but you know we. We really, like, I feel like we built a band of best friends, and, like, cool. all those guys are my best friends, and, yeah, so we just, I don't know, we, like, built the band, we started playing shows, you know, built the band, uh, we found everybody, we started playing shows, and then Real Friends, I know mm-hmm. you, you interviewed Dan. Yeah, um, love Dan. Dan reached out to me at one point and was like, yo, you're a pop-punk band, we're a pop-punk band, um, let's, you know, like, let's hang out, let's play shows, like, whatever, and he came over, like, two days later and hung out with me and Nick, and we've been friends since then. Cool. <laughs> and then I made a friendship with Kyle from Real Friends, and he was the one that, like, was like, yo, you know, they were kind of, like, doing their thing, and they were, they were kind of, you know, taking off a little bit, and Kyle was like, go to a real studio, like, pick some good songs that you guys have and record them at a good studio, because we... We were self-recording everything. And, right, right. You know, we put out, like, a demo. And then we, like, almost weren't a band and until Kyle was like, yo. Right. Go to a real studio. And we did that, and our minds were blown. And, yeah, I mean, since then, we've just been, like, 
taking it seriously. No, absolutely. I mean, how did the thing with Neck Deep happen? Because I feel like at the time, Neck Deep was an up, kind of an up-and-coming band, but they were on Hopeless, and they did have some things. Um, and that was obviously a big release for you guys, or it turned out to be a big that release. Split. The split, yeah. 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 Uh, that was super short notice. I don't even remember how it really came about. Our manager, Zach Zarillo, kind of... Oh, so Bad Timing Records, he's... Yeah, okay, yeah, sorry. So he, he ended up... Okay. No, I know he runs Bad bad Timing Records. Yeah. So that makes sense that he would have somehow got neck deep to agree or got Hopeless to yeah. sign off on it. Okay. And I think at the time, Hopeless wanted to sign us. Right. That's <laughs> another thing that <laughs> so I... That was my next... Things. I have literally, look at my notes, I have Hopeless question mark, because I yeah. was like, was this like going down that direction and then... You ended up on Rise, but I—I I mean, my band's been on both labels, so uh, I True. can talk pretty freely about that. Yeah, I mean, we didn't really think about it or care. Right. We were just stoked to do that tour and sure. like, you know, put songs on a, a split. Totally. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it's 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 a split. It's a release. Obviously, all the people that are hugely into Neck Deep, which, as you know now, I mean, they're they're a massive, massive band. Um, you know, it was it was easy to get those fans to be like, okay, well, what's this other band? And then you're getting your name in there, and you're not even like you're an unsigned band. Yeah, right. So that's that's pretty special and kind of unheard of. Yeah, it was. It felt cool. Yeah, it was. It was funny because when we when the idea was brought up, we were told that they were going to be putting B sides from their album as the you know the A side of the split. Right. And so we were like, okay, so we just have to write like two cool songs mm-hmm. that are possibly better than some B sides, and. <laughs> I think, you know, I like Neck Deep. I like all those dudes. I don't know whose idea it was to not put the B-sides on, but I think they kind of shot themselves in the foot because they put the singles on their side of the split. Right. So it's it, it almost became this thing where, like, it's called the knuckle puck split. Like, people don't... Like, Neck Deep's side is really kind of irrelevant because right. it's the singles from their album. Right. So it's, like you said, it's a, it's a special thing, and it's more so special for us. Sure, you know what I mean. Totally, so man. it's like it's it's really cool. Actually, totally. well, I love I always love split records, and some of my favorite splits, some of my favorite records by some bands are like splits, like um, like the Hot Water Music Alkaline Trio split. That's like cool. a record I love. I love the um, uh, Thursday Envy split. I don't know if you're familiar with the band Envy. I'm not. They're oh this, wait, aren't they from ja- Japan? They are. Yeah, a Japanese band. Yeah, yeah, I love them, and they're the split they did with Thursday. It's like I think it's got both bands best songs on it really that in my opinion yeah I was maybe because it's because i listen to the shit out of both of them but that's cool i was never a fan of thursday so maybe i should check that split out maybe yeah you know it's funny a lot of people compared my band with thursday especially early on almost like we were trying to like copy them mm-hmm. but we weren't you know it's just like we happen to be on the same label as them and stuff and um i never listened to thursday either I respected them, you know, as like more as like peers, you know. Yeah. Um, but when that split came out, and I like love envy, I, and I heard it, I was like, this is great. And they do a song together, which is like cool too, you know. So yeah. I always like when when bands can form, you know. What's the other one? The Casket Lottery, Hot Water Music Split. That's a good one too. Anyways, split records out. are rad. I'm glad you did one. But do you think? I mean, obviously that you did that stuff, and you got a lot of you know hype at that point, but you didn't have a full length record out. Do you think, in hindsight, as a young band, it was smart and t- smart to wait until you're a little more seasoned? I to think so. Put out that record, Copacetic. I think so. Because if you, I don't know if you could have made that record until you'd experienced, you know what I mean? The, yeah. the More professionalism of of a band. Yeah, man. Uh, it's funny because yeah, every time we would do an EP, we were kind of just like four, five, maybe six good songs. But we, you know, by the time we went to do our first album, we wanted to explore the band more, you know, explore the band more. So it gave us the opportunity to explore, but we had this back catalog of all these songs that are at the, at the time fans, they like those songs. They love those songs. And, you know, we'll still have people now say that our EPs before the first album, those, that's our best stuff. Of course. Which is okay. You know what I mean? That's, that's cool. Those songs exist. We made those songs. Sure, you know, we're we're not. You know, we've never really been the kind of band that's like, oh, our old stuff. We, you know, whatever, we'll throw that away and only play new stuff. Like some of our old songs are so dope, and you know, I'm glad that we wrote them. Yeah. And so, like, I don't know. There's, I think that there's, like, a there's three phases of our band so far that people like 
say that you know is one of their favorites but yeah. absolutely well yeah. you know for for me and we, we talk a lot about other bands in this in this episode and i love this but yeah i think again there's there's an attachment you get when you hear a band for the first time and you love that band and that music that you first heard i heard i heard this has been scientifically proven too i didn't okay. read the article i just read the headline um but i've heard that and like for me the band that is is like that for me is saves the day because I love the first Saves the Day record, Cancel It Down. And I do. I think it's their best record. Still? No. It's my favorite. For <laughs> okay, sure my favorite. favorite. What's, your, what's their best, though? In uh, your opinion? Probably Stay What You Are. Cool. I think. Maybe Three Being Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. But the first one is just, like, I listen to it way more. And even if it's, like, people are like, oh, it sounds like shit. The recording's so bad. I don't even think it's a bad recording. Because to me, it's, it's perfect. That's what it's supposed to sound like. Yeah. You know, so with you guys, it's the same thing. And those EPs that people heard when they, however they found out about your band, whether it was through Neck Deep, whether it was some other way, um, that obviously just has an emotional connection, yeah. which you may never be able to top for people. But that's okay because that emotional yes. connection is so important to have as a fan of any band. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Um, what, like, I, lo- you know, I love your band and, and I love the records you put out. And Thanks. I love how much of a uh, you're very analytical about how you think about your own band. I think like I think you're pretty self aware, but it's it's a weird place you fit into in this pop punk scene because there's this pop punk explosion going on over the last let's say three or four years, and you're a part of it. But I also feel like you're getting lumped in with other bands that maybe don't necessarily they're not doing the same thing as you. They're not approaching it the same way. But then everyone's like, oh, yeah, real friends, Knuckle Puck. Like, they're both from Chicago, same band. Or like they might even lump you in with someone like Seaway, which love them. They're yeah. from my hometown. I love Seaway. I know you're good friends with them too. But it's like you don't, you don't have a lot in common with them. Like they, they, they don't take themselves very seriously. Whereas you're like you're pouring your soul and your emotion into these songs. So h- how I guess my question is how do you try to separate yourself or do you just – feel like that's for people to just discover yeah i think that as i just i actually said this yesterday but as okay. like we you know we you're allowed make, to say the same thing again if thank it's the you. truth it yeah. is the truth and say you know, it, you we know? make the product but we don't we make the product but we don't dictate how the consumer uses it or labels it or anything like that you know what i mean mm-hmm. so like i could never be upset God, you just call your music a product that bothers me i don't mean it like that i know though. you don't I don't but i just like i hate that, that. like i'm like, so I sorry always, i don't no mean no no like no, no i, I, I really know don't. i know but i also but you're right but i also like whenever whenever bands talk about like different cities they're like oh yeah this market is pretty yeah, good i, I always hate when when people say yeah it's a good market for us it's like are you guys like marketing a band or are you just like playing rock and roll when we make but i'm music, sorry to cut you off no, i really want to okay. hear your answer when we make music we don't yeah we don't it's an it's art of course Hands down, yes. it's art and like we need to feel artistically validated in our own capacity so yeah so i'm sorry but, <laughs> but i know what you mean but i'm just using it as an analogy yeah right uh, you know people call us pop punk all the time I don't really care. I don't know what we are. You know what I mean? Sure. I will never experience a KP show from that crowd. Hmm. And it really bothers me that I won't be able to. Um, <laughs> it really does. It yeah, like freaks sure. me out, man. I was I was actually kind of freaking out about it last night. Well, it's funny. Like My, my dad one time asked me uh, how the sound was. I don't fucking know. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I'm on stage. Sounds like shit. <laughs> dude, you could like... And that's the thing, man. And it's so much more than... I don't know a formula or whatever you want to say it is because it's it's a feeling, man. Like right. I know you know it. Music is it's a feeling, and when people try to take the feeling out of it, I don't know. So basically, we just keep our head down and like be the best band that we can be. Yeah. Because when I'm 60 years old or when we're all 60, we want to look back <laughs> at this and like be like, okay, we're glad that we did that. Not like, oh yeah, we tried to make a bunch of money and it didn't work or it did work and. I wouldn't feel validated, of course. Doing totally, that. totally, um, totally. What did you say la- you were last night? You were worrying about last night. No, I kind of cut you off. No, I had anxiety last night about like how I'll never get to experience our band from the crowd. But like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You got like that's just the way the cookie crumbles, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> and it was like it was freaking me out because I don't know. 
I'm sorry. I, no, no, it's <laughs> fine. I mean, it's it is a weird thing though. Like you, you never can, you can't understand, you can't understand the show from the fans' perspective ever. Right? Really, truly. Yeah. You can think you know what to give a fan, like what they want, and to give it to them. But the real thing is that is that every fan is different too. Like they're mm-hmm. like you're an individual in your band. They're all individuals too. Yeah. So you could play what for some fan would be the perfect set list, and you could say the things between the songs that really resonate with one fan. And the fan literally standing beside them could be like, "Worst set list ever." Why the why the fuck is he talking about this shit? Like this doesn't belong at a knuckle puck show. Whatever, and, and it can be exactly the same show. So you you kind of you kind of can't win. Yeah. So that's you know fair. that's just the that's just the way the cookie crumbles, as I said. But I, I do try to give, or like we try to give. I feel like what we would want from a show when we were that age, because we were in crowds. You know, we were in. We were in crowds. We were at the shows. You know what I mean? Like, no, we were. We were like, we were all about this shit. And yeah. now we get to be on the other end of it. And yeah. you know, I've seen bands, gone and seen bands that I really like on recording, and then I watch them, and I don't feel like their heart is in the performance. And I feel like that's such a big thing. And like every time we go out on that stage, like we give that. Like we try to give that feeling, totally. You know, to to the crowd, totally. Um, yeah, totally. Well, I mean, that's that's the that's the goal, I guess. So, uh, with your records and and you've made two great records, I think the last record you you talked a little bit in some other interviews and stuff about how some of the sessions and stuff you did were a little like not great. Mm-hmm. Um. Now that the record's been out for what's it been a year, maybe something like almost that, almost a year, almost yeah. a year. Uh, how do you feel about the record? And is there anything that you would kind of have done different with the songwriting or recording process? Um, given it's a shape shifter, shape shifter. He's wearing the shirt. I'm wearing the shirt and the shorts and the shorts. Which is well, I. That's a, <laughs> before we get into that. That's a thing that is a new generational thing. But I was going to. We would that never to wear you. our own our own band merch. We just never would. I. And I would have said the same thing three or four years ago, but just like our music, we're trying to make clothes that we would wear, music that we right. would want to listen to, yeah. you know? So, like, and I, I didn't mean to put both <laughs> articles of clothing on. Uh, it was pointed out to me a couple days ago, and I was, I was pretty surprised. A quick story. Um, do you know the band Piebald? Yeah. So, a great band from Boston and a band I really liked growing up. So, we were making a record. We were making Discovering the Waterfront in California. And I was, it was like laundry day. I was, you know, in the middle of vocals and whatever. So I went to the studio and I was wearing a piebald shirt, t-shirt. And over top I was wearing a piebald, like, zip-up hoodie, right? Okay. So I Just go... logo? Like, uh, well, no, one was like a hat on the side and one was like a, you know, this, the t-shirt was like a front print. Okay. So uh, I went to the studio and that day, uh, I think it was Armor for Sleep or some of our friends' bands were playing at Chain Reaction in California, in Anaheim. So... After the studio, we went like directly there. So I'm wearing my piebald t-shirt with my piebald hoodie over it. So I'm sure you've played Chain Reaction before. Yeah. Venue gets hot as fuck, right? So I'm there with my hoodie, and I'm like, okay. So I have to like unzip it. So I'm standing in the backstage room, and the singer and guitar player for Piebald are like no there. I don't know what they're doing there. Like you know, we're we're not in Boston. Like you know, I don't know. And I see the uh, I see them. And somebody introduces me to the uh, guitar player, and he goes, I, I tell him my name, I'm Shane, I, you know, whatever his name is, and, and he goes, nice shirts. <laughs> I'm like, you got to be kidding me. The one time that I'm wearing two, you know, band merch, the same band, I, I run into the guy. What are the chances of that, That's right? so good. Never met him before or since, and, uh, <laughs> and there you go. Great band, um, though. But we've gone off on such a great tangent, but <laughs> but no, like I see, you know, like we're friends with like bands like Hundredth and stuff, and they like always wearing their own stuff, and I feel like it's just a younger generational thing. But you gotta it makes rep sense. the brand, dude. That's what they do okay. now. Okay, that's what they say. But I mean, yeah, it's true. Like if if you don't if you don't back your own shit, why should you expect someone else to? I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't take it as far as the clothes. I mean, this shit was free for me, you know. Well, so it's true. It's <laughs> true. It is free. So, anyways, you got a uh, you. So, back to Shapeshifter, which was where where we changed directions here. We talked about that record and and the process. Um, given, well, I was yeah. Given the circumstance, I don't know. 
what I mean, mainly we would have rewound, gone all the way back to the beginning and I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't change anything about the record. Like the the record, we're so happy with how it came out front to back. Yeah. It's ten songs. It's essentially nine right. and a half songs. Right. Um but yeah. I think that we would have started writing earlier, and that's probably it. Because you were doing it where you were recording, well, writing and recording it, and then also doing tours. Yeah. And that's hard as a young band, because you've got so much momentum from your first record, and you don't want to like just shut everything, everything down. Because I feel, I think there's a couple things at play. Obviously, you got to make ends meet, and touring is how you put you know food on, food on the table, so to speak. And also... I think there's a fear that you shut everything down and then people like forget about you. Yeah. And then you have to make a big comeback again. It's like where you can, if you can record and tour in tandem, maybe then you kind of get the most of best of both worlds, except when some people have a lot of trouble. Yeah. Like I could never write on tour, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, we definitely tried to do both at the same time. Yeah. Uh, but also it was just kind of like, Oh, we got a tour offer. Right. Let's take it. Why not? Sure, it's That'll a good opportunity. That's the problem. You got to start turning stuff down. And then they pile up. And yep. then you have two months to write a follow-up to your first album that everyone liked. And I know. you need to make another one that people will like. And that you'll like, too. Sure. <laughs> and your second record, we've talked about this almost every episode on the show. Sorry to the regular listeners. But your second album is your make and break. Every time it's the make or break, and if you there's no bands that have ever made a second a bad second record and have recovered that I can think of. I leave Me the, I leave Me the either. floor open to you to think of one because many people have tried and there's there's almost none. But you you made yeah. a great record and and Thank you. you mentioned that it's nine and a half songs and I was going to ask you about that because it's sh- it's a short record it's like clocks in at like something like 30 minutes mm-hmm. and it is just like a I mean it's very cohesive it flows very well but it's kind of just this like burst of energy and that's pretty much over you yeah. know and and with copacetic you're li- like the first record having that almost like goodbye sky harbor jimmy world esque song at the end this second album was much more like fuck you here's the record to yeah. the point was that on purpose I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. We didn't we just didn't want to make the f- same album a second time. Of course not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we were like, well, let's do the opposite of that kind of cuz we cuz you know, we we kind of like ditched the upbeat after the first song, like the like that beat. Mm-hmm. We only used that on the first song of shape or I'm um, sorry, of Copacetic. Yeah. And then we didn't do it again on the whole album. Wait, no, that's not true. There's two songs. Sorry. But we tried to like not use that beat because we had used it in so many of other of our songs. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, when we got to write uh, Shapeshifter, we were just like, let's make it aggressive, you know, yeah. like highlight that aggressive side of our band. Right. But also try to pull out some like catchier hooks because from talking to Seaway, you know, they were like, yeah, like you guys could have some more hooks and it'd be fucking dope. And then we were like, We'll think about that, <laughs> and we did because you know their songs are so so oh, yeah. catchy. Yeah. That new record they put out is great. It's so many hooks. Dude, they're, yeah. all their songs are good. Yeah, I like can't think of many bad Seaway songs no. or Seaway songs that I'm like, eh, I don't know it. Right, it's like this song's okay. All their songs are like good. Yeah, yeah. That's a good chorus. That's a cool verse. That's a funny lyric. Like it all tells a really great story on that on that album for sure. I think you guys do that too, except you guys just do it in a different kind of way, like. Again, like I said, you guys are more of a serious band. Um, I don't know. Are you like? Are you more of a serious kind of guy? Like you, you seem like a little more like that. And and like on social media and stuff, you're a little more reserved. You know, you're yeah. not like as posting funny stuff all the time. Like something like maybe a band like I don't know why we compare to Seaway so much, but you know, like that. Is that homies, is that just dude. of course? But yeah. is that your is that just your personality? No, I we're all. Yo, you got to come hang out sometime. We're I'm co- Oh, I will. I'm probably... I'm the most reserved, aside from John, until you... Uh, Kevin, too. I don't know. I'm, I feel like we're pretty reserved until you know us. Yeah. We're fucking freaks, man. <laughs> um, but, dude, like, you know, the seriousness, like, yeah, we're like, we, we're a serious band, but we're also learning to have more fun with it. 
because right. we want it to be fun, you know? We don't want it to be like, oh, yeah, those guys are so serious. Look at them. I don't know. And, and you didn't see the show. No, I didn't. No. Yeah, so we all so like, live freak show out. It. Yeah. We freak out up there, you know? Great. Um, That's great. So, yeah. That's great. Um, well, you know, talking about the the using the beat and stuff and, and not using the same beat or whatever for the, the record and making this thing, well, you really recently released... Sort of an acoustic, sort of reimagined EP called yeah. "Shifted," and that is very different. Yeah, for you know, a lot of tons of bands have done. Okay, we're gonna do like a B-side acoustics or whatever, and strip down stuff. This is very different. In fact, a one fan mentioned here. It's a bit of a fan question, but she said that it's so different from any other reimagined albums I've ever heard. So there you go, and it is with the the you know digital drums and stuff. How did that all that kind of concept come come about? Uh so shit. We were like How did it come about? Um so I like to sample stuff sometimes. Like I like to make beats, I like hip hop and you know Vacationer. Yeah, that's like I want to do a project like that okay. at some point. Obviously it would be different. Um but like that like postal service i've always loved music like that and so the first song that i don't even know what i was doing i think i was i think i was stoned i think i was stoned, <laughs> and i was like well i don't even know what i was doing dude i was just like oh i'm gonna transpose the riff from our song nervous passenger onto a keyboard and so i like did that and then i started like chopping up these violins and like it they're like kind of like the whole time and I just recorded it and I sent it to everybody and like a couple weeks later our manager asked us for acoustic versions of the songs and we were like well, we already have one that's like this so like let's just do a couple other cool. ones and have fun with it and cool so- no it's it's great and it's it's very unique and different and yeah it's funny I, I, I almost kind of get that that how that approach could happen how you start working on something like on your just on your computer and it's like well I don't have a drum set here. I can't record, so I'm just going to use the drum sets, the drums that are like built into this program. Yeah. And then you're like, actually, this kind of sounds kind of sick. Let's just do this. Like, let's not bother recording actual like acoustic drums. You know. Yeah. And then we we recorded everything ourselves. We quote unquote mixed everything ourselves because we you know we try. Right. But, you know, some songs came out a little bit sloppier than others, but like, dude, it was so fun making it that like. We didn't really care. Sure. We, you know, we did the second album and it was like, we had to like re-record it basically. Um, and it got to a point where it was super stressful. So that was just kind of like a yeah. fun release of like, yeah. Great. No, that's wonderful. Uh, I mean, it's also easier when, when songs are already songs. It's like, and you're redoing your own songs. It's almost like doing a cover song where, well, this is the song already. So we don't have to stress about, is this vocal melody the best it can be? It's like, this what how can we just make this cool yeah and that's that's a much different approach so you got record number three you must be starting to think about it we are so um what's the approach gonna be i don't i don't know how much you can spill the beans on it but at least just with the approach you'd like to take maybe to kind of do things the way that would be best for for you and the guys so personally on copacetic i wrote and recorded so many guitars Mm -hmm. and i I want to do that again because on Shapeshifter, personally, I was in like a weird place at the time and I was like very like blocked up and I only contributed like three songs to the album. Okay. And, um, you know, there's a lot of situations where I felt like my solution wasn't the correct solution. So I was just kind of like in the background while the band kind of like not like I was absent from the whole thing, but do, do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, they were kind of crafting the, the music, I guess, and then you were kind of coming in at the end, putting your sort of stamp on it, but not being a part of the process of the music to get there. Is that yeah, kind of yeah, what it... Yeah, for sure. Right, right. And like I said, on the first album, like if it were up to me, I would have written so many more songs just to be on the album. Um, but like I said, it was it was a weird place, and so I just, like, we all want to collaborate. We're all really excited to make a third album that we're all super happy with. Yeah. And yeah, we just want to collaborate in smarter ways, especially now because we have more time. Totally. Do you think you're ever going to do EPs again? Because I mean, obviously that's, it's a little bit less stressful to do yeah. an EP and it gives a different vibe. And obviously because you've done, like we talked about earlier, you've done so many EPs and some of your fans 
like them so much. Do you think that'd be ever something you'd kind of go back and do? Because it's rare that bands, once they get established, it's pretty much like EPs you do when you're like a young band and then it's just like record every two years kind of. Do you think you'd ever go back to EPs? I would love to do one. Yeah. We've loosely talked about it. Um, but we were just kind of like, let's just start writing songs and yeah. if an EP comes out, if we're like, hey, these three or four songs would be great for an EP, yeah. let's do that. Um, but we we wanted to do that before the last album, before Shapeshifter, but it got to a point where we were like, yeah, these songs are pretty cool. Let's just save them. Yeah. And then, yeah. then, and then we realized how little time we actually had to work on it. So we were like, all right, it's album time. Let's go. <laughs> but yeah, that's great. And um, what do you guys have coming up? I mean, you, you finish finish off Warp Tour. When will this be out? Oh, like t- today, dude. Okay, I'm gonna put it out today. For real? Um, I th- I'm thinking about putting it out today. I think this is funny. We're talking about this in the podcast because so I was supposed to put out one yesterday because I do every Tuesday, and I didn't. It was partly to do with Warp Tour starting and partly to do with just some like logistical things mm-hmm. and. Uh, and I, so I was like, you know what? What if I did it today and I put it out today? And it's like the most, it's almost like a live podcast. Yeah. So I think I'm going to put it out today. Okay, cool. So yeah, don't, don't, don't ruin anything. Uh, we're doing a tour in the fall that I think you can look around online and find that we're on it, but we're not allowed to announce it yet. <laughs> you can find it, but they can't announce it. Yeah. It's <laughs> really weird. Also, if you are coming to a warp tour, please don't ask me about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Cryptic stuff. <laughs> Cryptic stuff from Joe. There you go. So that that's happening. And then, do you, do can people expect a record probably next year? Um, hard to say. Well, we'll tell. We've been asked this by the record label and management and stuff, and we're just kind of like, when we have it, we'll let you know. Okay. Because we don't we don't want to get in a position that we were in for the last album. And luckily, we're super happy with it. But right. it's like. It could have been really easy to make something that we were like, uh, wait, we don't want to put this out, you know? Like it totally. can, And, you know, we wouldn't, we don't want to put out anything that we don't believe in or back 100%. And right. so, like, yeah, we just want to have songs and be like, okay, this is the album. Don't book studio time until the album's done, please. <laughs> Thank you. Right. Sick. There you go. So you have, you're prepared. Yeah, you're putting out the exact record that you want, and it isn't just a little bit like, you know, you don't want to have that terrible pressure. Although I gotta say, sometimes having a little pressure is good for sure. Because I gotta say, there's been there's been songs that I've written, and I know I always relate things back to myself. Sorry, listeners, but you know, this is lead singer syndrome. This is we, we talk about do. this shit. Some of the best stuff I've ever written was like, well, I'm recording it tomorrow. I better fucking write it tonight. <laughs> And it's like, because you know it's like do or die. Because sometimes you write stuff, and if there's no pressure on when it's going to come out, it's like, well, I'll write this line in this lyric, and then it's it's not my, my favorite line, but I'll just change it later. Yeah. And then the time comes, and you just never changed it. Or you got used to hearing it that way in your head, and you can't change it, because that's the line. Meanwhile, it was never that great a line to begin with. But when it's like, okay, i got to write this because I'm recording it like tomorrow or the next day, well, then that... that lyric has to be the perfect lyric you know yeah, I, don't know sure. if you, I don't know if you've experienced that at all no uh, we, i definitely have I'm, I'm thinking back to the the last album it was yeah. like yeah we got to have these lyrics because the label needed the album two weeks ago that was a scenario <laughs> and it was just like oh. wow <laughs> yeah so it was but yeah no i i don't know that's a tractor that's a tractor no John travis barker this time that was uh didn't resemble any current or ex-member of Blink-182. There we go. Anyways, dude, hey, thank you so much for taking the time. Anything else to add or tell the people? Um, not really. Thank you for having me. Of course. Love I really you. appreciate it. Absolutely. This is my second podcast ever. Beautiful. So You did great. You thanks, killed man. it. Thank thanks, man. Thank you. Joe. So there it is with Joe. So good to have him. And it seems like they're having an amazing warp tour playing on the main stage to these huge crowds this year. Seriously, go get your tickets now because a lot of these shows are selling out. Toronto sold out yesterday. Detroit is sold out on Friday. There are so many amazing bands and so much great stuff happening at these shows. So get your tickets now to come see Knucklepock and I'll be there maybe too. So check it out. As you know, if you've listened before, I always play music at the end of the show, and it's hard to pick a knuckle puck song, so I'm going to pick two. I'm going to play two songs. I'm going to go with 
my favorite track from their latest album. It's called Double Helix, and I'm going to follow it up with the reimagined version from their new EP, Shifted, of Quanduit. So check it out. Here's Knuckle Puck on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love, and I'll see you next week. Yeah.